Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to the Self Love Club, the podcast chatting about stuff that matters, real talk and lols. I'm your host, Belle Crawford. Thank you so much for joining me. Before we get into our episode very soon, I want to let you know about a new podcast we've been working on at the Self Love Club Media, and we would so love for you to support us. It's called Gloss. It's co-hosted with my friend Anna Scarborough-Rawson, and basically, it is our home of pop culture. If you've been a fan of my book club over the years, the show recommendations, some of the features we've run on the Self Love Club, well, this is the home for all of that. There are a number of episodes for you to listen to already. We did a show club on Dolly Alderton's Everything I Know About Love. And join us for a two-part series looking into celebrity beauty brands. And we also share our bougie and budget-friendly beauty buys. Search Gloss, subscribe, and listen on your podcast app. Leave the link in our show notes. On the show, we're chatting about self-love, healing rejection, people-pleasing, and setting boundaries with self-love coach Kelly Chase. Kelly also starred on season one of Netflix's reality dating show, Love is Blind, and takes us through her experience as a reality TV star. Kelly shares tips and questions we can ask ourselves to improve our mindset, self-worth and confidence, and chase the life we want for ourselves. Let's get into my conversation with Kelly. Kelly, welcome to the Self Love Club. Thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, now tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. I'm an entrepreneur, podcast host, speaker, was on a reality TV show called Love is Blind. For some of y'all, you may know that, be familiar with it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do a lot of, I'm actually like a self-love coach. Um, I've been doing health coaching, I guess, since 2013 and then through my own self-love journey transition more into like studying the mind and uh, learning how, you know, our thoughts really do create our reality and understanding behavioral patterns and all of that. So it really became a passion of mine to help other women really uh, dive into their self-love too. Yeah, we'll go through all that soon. I'm so about all that stuff, obviously, on the self-love club, but take us back. Where did you grow up? And growing up, did you know what you wanted to do? Yeah, kind of. Um, When I was growing up and people would ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I always would say three things, and that was teacher, doctor, and actress. (laughs) And um, (laughs) Well-rounded. Yeah, very well-rounded. Yep. So as the years went on, like everyone was like, yeah, totally, totally, totally. You know, when you're a kid and you're using your imagination, like, of course, those things sound great. Um, But when it comes time to, you know, now it's time to be an adult, those things were discouraged only because obviously my parents were looking out for the best in me. And my mom had actually been a school teacher for almost 15 years. And, you know, they don't get paid enough. They don't period. That was kind of discouraged. And then doctor, they were like, you know, you go to X amount of years of school, and then you're gonna have to go through another X amount of years. And as far as acting, my parents were like, I mean, unless you like know someone like, 
you know, it's going to be hard to make it out there, quote unquote. So I went to school. Um, I graduated from the University of Georgia with a fashion merchandising degree. Actually, I never did anything with it. I did my internship and that was the last of any type of fashion that I was a part of besides buying clothes and shopping. Um, <laughs> Like I was in recruiting and staffing and then sales and account management, that kind of thing. And that was pretty much the trajectory, but and then taught fitness classes as well as got health coaching certified. And so I was running like my health coaching business on top of doing all of like corporate America and all that for a long time. And it uh, wasn't until like 2017 that I really started to like lean into the fact that people were messaging me that I was changing their life. And I was like, okay, my nine to five, I've never received a message like that. <laughs> so uh, I left the corporate space and honed in on the coaching and it's pretty much been amazing since then. So now I feel like it has come full circle that one, yeah, I have been on TV, but I also create content and videos and things like that. So that's like the actress side and then the doctor and the teacher, I'm like healing and teaching people things. So yeah. it all manifested its way into you know, existence. Isn't it funny that it often works out when you're older and you look back on the things you loved as a child or the things you wanted to be. And even though it may not look that way, you know, it might not be a traditional sense that you are a doctor. I think it's really quite special. Yeah, yeah, it totally is. So yeah, yeah it's it's great. <laughs> <laughs> now talk us through, when did you start doing the code? Because you said, you know, you started getting these messages from people that you were changing their lives. Were you creating content? Were you putting out your story out there? How did that all start? And why did you want to start doing that? Obviously, I know when you are doing something like that, like I have as well, you sort of just start doing it. You don't really think about it. You're just, oh yeah, cool. I've got this to say, or I want to do this. And so how did that all start for you? Health and nutrition, fitness and nutrition was always a really big part of my life because my mom was like a Richard Simmons instructor back in the day. Like she, my mom still works out. She's 60, she'll be 65 this year. Always been there. She's read every nutrition book. We were raised vegetarians on organic food. I knew the word organic when I was five. Something back then people didn't really, like it wasn't even a thing back then for people to eat organically um, or even be vegetarians really. So so that was just kind of an interest of mine because it was my lifestyle. But then in 2013, my mom had actually gotten certified to be a health coach two years prior to and encouraged me to be like, if you don't do anything with this professionally, at least you'll have a lot of more knowledge around health. So I did it, but they set you up. The certification program sets you up to become a coach. Around that time was when Instagram was just becoming a thing. So most of my stuff was on Facebook, um, as far as like my posts and that kind of thing. But you know, I don't always take pictures of my food and like share that and whatever, just because I don't know, I just liked it. Right. But then as I started coaching, I was doing more of that. And then yeah, sharing my story. I mean, I had a body image and weight struggle, I guess around 2015, I gained like 30 pounds. And it was interesting because in my mind, I was like, who's going to want to work with me now? You know, obviously my health is not where it should be but it actually made me have more clients than ever because people could relate or I could relate more to people. And then I got invited to be a trainer for like an all audio-based fitness app that was a worldwide app and that expanded my reach as well into helping a lot more people. People to this day, they're like, well, you're so transparent and vulnerable online. Like you can share anything or show up with no makeup on or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, it was like, why not? You know, like, but I think it's because I've been sharing it for so long now that it, it is more comfortable to me. Yeah, totally. I know what you mean. And, and in those early days of uh, Instagram or Facebook, it was like, I was the same. People would laugh at me like, oh, why are you taking photos of your food? Or why do you take <laughs> outfit photos? Like when you're going to like, of course, I'm going to a wedding. I've got a cute dress on. Like, of course, I'm going to get right. a nice, but no one was really doing that. So now, hello, everyone's doing it. So yeah, yeah we're, everyone's doing it. we were just the trendsetters. Yeah. <laughs> 
Exactly. Now, talk us through going on a massive Netflix show, Love is Blind. What was that like for you? Because obviously that's a whole nother level of, you know, you're already doing these things online and the fitness app and things, but that's like a global level, you know, if you've got Netflix. I mean, most people have Netflix and they know and they're going to see your show. Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, because we were the first season going into it, we had no idea how big it was obviously going to become um, or get. We didn't even know when we were filming that the show was even going to be picked up. We were just going through the experiment. We were all reached out to because obviously there was an application process, you know, but I was reached out to because I had actually been interviewed for Married at First Sight um, years prior to, and they still had my file and they called me and were like, oh, are you still single? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I am. <laughs> so that was kind of like how I even got started with Love is Blind. I, I did almost back out on Honestly, because I was very afraid. I'm not a big reality TV show person because of there's so much drama and everything, right? And I just like don't just don't love the drama. I don't like drama in my real life. I I just felt like they may make a character out of me or like turn spin me somehow. And I was got really like cold feet. And I like sent a message to casting. I was like, yeah, I don't think this is the right thing for me. And I was, I mean, it was like three weeks before we were supposed to start filming. They're and they were like, like oh, no, no, no. we really need you to do this, please. No, no, no. Yeah, they're like, absolutely not. Um, So they had to track me down a little bit. And then they got on the call. I finally got on the call. And they're like, what is the, like, why? Why are you backing out? And I'm like, because I don't want you to ruin my life. <laughs> yeah, we'll go through all that soon. But take us back. You know, you said you applied for Married at First Sight. What made you do that? I'm not from a judgment place, but I'm really curious. You know, you say you don't like drama and things, but you know. <laughs> But what made you, because Married at First Sight is one of the, like, I think if you're going to go reality, that's going, like, right in the deep end, you know? Like, hey, we're going to marry someone, you know? Like, why not? If you're going to do it, do it properly, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Okay, so I, I honestly, I did not apply for that show. My One of my ex-boyfriends submitted my name to casting because they had reached out to him. And I get it, I receive a text message when we're in from him and he goes hey I sent your information over to a casting director they reached out for some like love dating show in Atlanta I don't know it's it's new or whatever at first I was like thanks I think <laughs> I don't know because this was like a guy that like my whole like relationship stuff toxic lost myself in that relationship and all that I went through like the whole interview process with them like I mean again it was like for the first season of yeah. Married at First Sight so no one had ever seen that either so I didn't know what it was <laughs> I kept going and they sent me the contract and seeing it written out I think that was when it came to my head and I was like yeah no <laughs> this is not never gonna happen my mom might murder me yeah. so yeah. yeah it's like our parents want us to get married but they probably don't want us to marry a stranger there's a line that we're probably gonna cross there yeah <laughs> yeah exactly exactly so but yeah they still have my file after that talk us through <laughs> your experience on that show what happened and you know people may have watched it they may not have what happened on that show for you and what was that experience like for you we were speed dating with a handful of gentlemen um behind a wall there was literally a wall dividing us couldn't see them never had seen them um so we're just getting to know them through emotional and intelligent conversations and we're not intelligent conversations um but really trying to grow an emotional connection with those people and then we actually were proposed to through the wall as well so sight unseen proposal that was wild I mean I was just shaking shaking I'm like what am I doing <laughs> Like, I do like him. Like, oh my God, because I would, every time that we would have our dates in the pods, I had like butterflies talking to Kenny. But yeah, it was like over the course of like nine, I want to say nine days that we were in the pods. And so there were multiple dates. I mean, you have to think about it. Like, I know it sounds absurd. Like what you got engaged in nine days, but we had 
one to two dates per date with this person. So in like the, like in the real world, you have like a date, maybe a week. Anyways. Yeah. We, I got engaged through a wall and uh, <laughs> it's a great story. <laughs> through a wall it's so weird because I'm like it's so funny because like dating in the real world now people are like oh, have you ever been married or engaged I'm like kind of <laughs> <laughs> so weird um but yeah so we got engaged around the wall and then we had like this big reveal um that was I mean I thought it was attractive I wasn't as soon as the doors open I wasn't like extremely like really attracted to him like physically but he was an attractive man I didn't like him less I was just like oh okay it didn't um escalate anything for me However, then when he kissed me, it did. And then we all um, are sent to Mexico. And then that was the first time we were able to see all the other couples. So getting to see some of the other guys that I had gone on dates with. I just remember in that moment, I looked at Kenny and I was just like, yeah, I made the right decision. Like I'm attracted to him so emotionally that I am like, the more that we are, we're hanging out, the attraction just grew more and more there too. Enjoyed ourselves in Mexico and then came back and we lived in an apartment together for like four and a half weeks in Atlanta. We got to meet their parents. I think we were the only couple where our parents actually met each other before the wedding. And that was wild because they fell in love with each other. My dad's name and his dad's name were Jeff. They had like the same dessert. I don't even know. It was like wild how similar our parents were. So yeah, it was one of those things like he was checking off all the boxes everything but then at the end of the day I said no at the altar it was not the right time we filmed this three and a half years ago four years ago so a lot has happened since then but back then I mean I essentially would have wanted to continue trying to date him I think it was just like my head I mean I know this my head and my heart were just honestly not connecting and I was just like something's not right this whole thing it just doesn't feel right I feel like he felt that too and he may have said I, I don't either <laughs> yeah. but that's totally fair enough. I mean, obviously it's a TV show and that's what they do on that experience. But, you know, if you think about it practically, of course you'd need more time. Yeah, maybe yeah. if you'd been on a date a bit longer and, and or like just be together longer without putting that pressure on yourselves, that may have right. been something for you. Yeah, I mean, there were two couples that, you know, got married on the show and they're still together. It'll be four years in November. And I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> but they were running an experiment and their experiment worked. The biggest question was like, is love blind? And I was like, yeah, like self-love, like the love for ourselves really was my biggest yeah. takeaway. It was the catalyst to like my whole deeper self-love journey. We're going to go through that in a moment. What, I know it was a while ago that you did the show. Are you, are you on good terms with Kenny? Like afterwards, what happened? In all honesty, we had had conversations about dating. We were just very level-headed people. So it was like, if you say no, whatever, you know, we'll still keep dating. And it was the last day of filming. And he was just like, I, I'm, I can't like I can't continue right now I'm emotionally unavailable I'm really just over this whole process and unfortunately you're a part of the process um so like let's get back to our normal lives and basically like if it's meant to be it'll work itself out I just didn't understand because I was able to compartmentalize my the process from my feelings from him whereas he like packaged everything together I mean granted that's what he says maybe he really just didn't like me I don't know <laughs> but it was really difficult I actually I mean this sounds crazy but I did oh. send him like a letter you know I sent him a written letter not like saying like oh my god I'm so in love with you it was just like I was loving the man I was getting to know and I really want to give this a shot he never obviously never wrote me back but he never wrote me back never acknowledged the letter definitely not the type of man I want to be with anyways yeah. you're gonna act like that we both have respect for each other. Yeah, I think just the closure. One day I just texted him, like this was months later and 
because I had like some items of his, like he had given me like a stuffed animal and things and like a t-shirt and everything. And I was like, you know, I still have your bear if you want to come get it. I said, you know, I understand I sent a letter. It was never acknowledged, um, but that's water under the bridge now. My emotions were like really high at the time. And if you want to come get your stuff, come get your stuff. He did. And I didn't bring anything up. I was just like, hey, hope your family's doing good. How are you? How's work? That was it. So I was like, there's no, why should I rehash anything? I don't need it. And yeah. it did hurt me though. It was, I mean, I felt very rejected. And that was, I actually, like I said, I had, you know, it was a catalyst to my whole self journey. So I had hired a mindset coach at the time thinking she was going to help me with other things, but that was like the help that I needed was really healing those wounds of rejection and people pleasing and all of that. And I think it was like on the reunion show, it like brought up a lot of emotions. Cause that was like the first time I had seen her probably over a year. We were both interviewed by, you know, like EMAC or something and uh, or e-news and they asked me the same question like or the both of us like what happened after and he told his side of the story and then I was I just looked at him and I was like I'm sorry I gotta tell him my, like the truth of how I really felt yeah, and like what yeah. happened you know I just start bawling my eyes out like because it was just so like built up inside of me I just really hadn't like although I said I had closure when I he like came over to get his stuff I didn't I think I was just avoided it and put it aside and carried on obviously they produced an article and it was like Kenny Ghost Kelly <laughs> and oh. I was like he didn't ghost to me but you know that much credit gosh yeah 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 but you know but but they wrote the article really well and I just chalked it up to you know he was very aware of what he needed to do in life and I took that as you don't like me you don't want to be with me you know and so no I totally understand that as well and it's it's so hard when people I've dated a lot of emotionally unavailable men as well and it's really hard when you're so open and loving and it can really hurt I think for a lot of us it's that healing that and because rejection hurts and people pleasing is something a lot of us struggle with talk us through how you sort of started to work on that because that is something I think a lot of us can relate with yeah yeah well like I said I I heard a a mindset coach she was like a business and mindset coach because I had taken off you know eight weeks probably of working on through my health coaching business. And as most of us also all do is we avoid things. We bypass, we emotionally bypass. And so I was like, I'm hurting right now. I'm just going to go all in on my business and grow my business and yada, yada. So I invest in the coach. And yeah, within the first like two sessions, you know, she was like, okay, she asked me something. And of course I start crying and she's like, where's this coming from? Why do you feel these ways? And yada, yada. And it broke it down into like rejection, but not from Kenny, it was rejection when I was four years old, when, you know, a little girl in preschool told me I couldn't play with her and the other girls. And then from there, it just like was this, you know, subconscious unworthiness. And then like, you know, I start liking boys and in middle school or elementary school. And then there's like some type of rejection there and it just continued. So although I may have been like, oh, I'm awesome. Like I'm I'm really confident. I really was never really connected to myself. And uh, there was a lot of like unworthiness. And like I said, uh, people pleasing that was going on. I mean, losing myself in relationships one after the other probably took me, I didn't start my personal development journey until like four and a half, five years after that relationship where I told you the guy I submitted my information to casting. In the four to four and a half to five years, it was like constant crushing on someone, maybe having sex with them a little too prematurely. Like I really didn't actually feel safe with that or safe and trusted with that partner, or they would like date me for a little bit or like really come on strong and then totally back away. And I was like, you know, the spiral thoughts of what's wrong with me? What am I doing wrong? Why doesn't anyone love me? You know, that kind of thing. So all of that came up in all of these sessions. And I recognized a lot of like where people do pull away from me. I would get more, my last name is Chase. So I would like chase them. Like I would 
would chase the boys and I'd get like really anxious. Like I had the anxious attachment style more or less and all, everything was just all connected and it all was just brought up in these coaching sessions. And obviously, I mean, that was 2018-19. Since then, I've just been investing in other coaching and different modalities and healing techniques to help me discover, you know, what else could be healed and help me expand. I remember talking to one coach over the last couple of years and she was like, Kelly, this coaching is not to fix you. There's nothing wrong with you. So stop investing in people because you're broken because you're not. And I was like, you're right. I'm not. (laughs) She was like, you're only investing in people for growth and expansion. That is it. And it changed a lot for me as well in that regard. Yeah, that's such a good point. Oh my God, you've explained. I felt like my, I feel a lot of people feel, you know, our experiences, (laughs) but I feel like a lot of the time and until now, maybe it was like, I don't know, maybe it was our own stuff that it was too ashamed to talk about it. And or maybe felt defensive because we did have nice relationships too. But a lot of the time dating is like that where people, you know, like you or and the guys will often come in really hot and then they'll back off. It's a thing. And it's it's really hard because you're like, why can't we just all be honest and like on the same page? But that's just not how it works. And so it's a bit of a process to work out really, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. It was funny because I dated someone a couple of years ago and very briefly, like we went on like two dates, but we talked, you know, here and there. He was the first and only person that had ever like, it was almost like every week that we were talking, he would check in and how are you feeling about us? How are you feeling about things? And I was like, I love that. Like, what? That's never happened for me. Like, this is good communication, but it's funny because obviously I have over the years written out like my dream partner and emotionally connected, vulnerable, good communication is on that dream list. And I'm like, okay, God keeps sending me some good ones. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it funny when you've dated avoidance or emotionally unavailable people and then someone who's a secure attachment type turns up and my current boyfriend's like that too. It blew me away. You know, they they actually want to see you. They make plans. Like, and then, right. and then when they do that early on, you're like, I had to check myself. I was like, oh, he almost seems too keen. My sister was like, what do you want? Do you want someone who's like emotionally unavailable, which is what you've been getting? Or do you want someone that isn't, you know, like it's, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no. How, how have things gone for you since then? I took about six months away from dating after we got done filming Love is Blind, went on a couple dates. And one guy in particular was like really interesting because I had just gotten all this healing work with my coach. It was like our second or third date. And he goes, I was recently engaged. And I I made a joke and I was like, oh, I was too, you know, so I kind of had to tell him about the TV show stuff, but he, he was just like, you know, she cheated on me and broke my heart, blah, blah. And this was like two months after. And I looked at him and I was like, I've tried to fix men for a long time. I'm done doing that. I was like, you are not ready for a relationship. And he like looked at me like, what are you talking about? He's like, I'm here. And I go, yeah, I know. I said, but I promise you, you're, you're not ready. We both kind of like fell, you know, out of touch for a little while. He texted me one day a couple months later and he was like, you were right. I fell into a deep, dark hole right after seeing you. That's such a good sign of growth that you were like, okay, no hard feelings, but no, this is, I'm not jumping into this situation with you. Uh, you know, we're allowed to meet someone that is ready and that isn't going through a stressful situation like that. We're allowed to do that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah, it was like a few months later, a friend of mine that I knew forever, 20 years probably, I had had a crush on him, but you know, just whatever. Um, but he expressed that he had a crush on me too. So we kind of started hanging out and dating a little bit. And it was one of those things where in my mind, I created a story like, wow, we've been, we've known each other forever. Like, this is it. This is my person. I'm going to get married to him. And that was not the case. 
and he pulled away too. Why? Like I thought I healed this shit. I thought I healed this shit, but I recognized like we did like end things. And I just remember doing a lot more healing work and, and using obviously the tools that I had learned over the years. And I would write out gratitude like every day, like thank you for giving me space so that I could heal even more and like learn to love myself more. I recognize like I hated that God had to like put a friend of mine in my life for me to learn this lesson. Like I wish it wasn't because I didn't want it to damage the friendship. You know, I needed to really honor my boundaries and stand up for myself. And there was just a handful of things that I still had to learn in order to really know what I was going to accept and not accept anymore in future relationships. So I've been on a couple of dates like since, but because of like just shifting this energy and doing this healing work, like I said, I, I feel like every guy in the last like year has just been so much more just the type of guy I'm looking for. They're so much more mature in their approach to things. I mean, I had a guy take me to dinner to tell me he was not ready to be in a relationship with me versus just texting me to be like, yeah, it's ain't going to work. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that was so nice. Of course it can be, you know, disappointing. Cause you're like, dang it. Like I was really attracted to him. Like, I thought, you know, the person that is for you is on his way to you. And that just keeps me excited and happy about life. I'm just going to keep leveling up. You know, like I have dreams and like, if you're not ready for this, yeah, I don't want you to show up for me then. Like, I need you to stay where you're at. <laughs> I love this for you. Yes, it's so good. I think something I like to always tell people is, you know, I think a lot of the time we are wanting to find love and date and get in relationships. And and that's something we want, but it's also societal pressures. And something I've often thought after like a breakup where like years back, and this is when I started the self-love club, stop focusing on that. Focus on yourself. You have one life. You've got dreams. You've got things you want to do. Go do it. You're allowed to sit around being sad about boys, but get out there and do it. And you will attract someone who is loving what you're doing. Your energy definitely attracts. So when you're pursuing your passions and you're just so in your element, like that's when like a guy sees you and feels you and is like, damn, that girl is owning her shit. Like she knows who she is. She knows what she wants. And I want someone just like that. Like guys are so attracted to confidence. Still to come, why creating a self-care routine is so important and ideas to add to yours. And how do we unsubscribe to burnout culture? Plus practical tips for recovering people pleasers and do your boundaries need a checkup? We'll be back with the rest of our conversation after a quick break. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What are some of the ways that you like to take care of yourself, your self-care practices that you've sort of learned on your self-love journey? I read the book, The Miracle Morning back in 2018 and applied that whole concept of the lifesavers to my life. So it's every morning, pretty much I wake up and I run through this routine of breath work or meditation, prayer, that kind of thing, affirmation, visualizing my future, reading, exercising, and journaling. I go for walks outside like every day almost. 
my spirituality has improved as well. I, I say it has improved. It actually became a thing. I always said I was spiritual because I was def- I wasn't religious. I just said I was spiritual and I was like, yeah, I'm spiritual, but I really didn't know what that meant until I started like actually connecting with myself. A really big mantra of mine is letting go. The journaling, the meditation, while on my walks, it helps me to bring awareness to some self-criticizing thoughts, negative self-talk, that kind of thing, and or certain behavioral patterns or things that I'm doing that I'm like, that it just doesn't feel good anymore. So how can I shift it or let it go? And what does your day look like? That's how you start it. What does your work day and your day look like? I find it fascinating. I think other people do, especially when they're trying to adopt healthy patterns and, and avoid procrastinating. And yeah, so what does your day look like? I used to wake up a lot earlier. I, I was like the 5 a.m. club for a while, but now it's more like the 7 a.m. club. I like my sleep now. I definitely try and get eight hours. And if I don't go to bed till midnight, then I'm definitely going to try to sleep in. But yeah, I do that routine. It may take me 30 minutes. It may be two hours. It just depends on how long I want to read or how long I decide to journal or do a visualization or something. I work for myself. So that does allow me to have some more time flexibility, you know, eat breakfast, start getting ready for, you know, whether it's doing calls or creating content um, or just planning things out. I do create to-do lists, to-do lists, as a friend of mine used to call it. Um, So I try and get as many as like, you know, the bigger tasks that I know that need to get done. I try and like knock those out and then get to the other things that are not taking as much priority. I mean, I try and work probably, I want to say between 10 to four, 10 to five. And then I'm people are like, Oh, like, you know, how long do you work a day? And I'm like, well, technically I'm like 10 to four, 10 to five or something, but I also am on my social media a lot. So I could be up at night on my Instagram or something. And technically I do find that as work because I'm like responding to DMs or creating content or whatever. So how do you you find being someone who works for yourself? How do you not overwork? Because you know, when you work for yourself and there's so much to do and you know, you feel like you should be working from the start to the end of the day. How did you not do that? Or have you done that at times? Throughout my like coaching, I mean, understanding like all of our like societal and cultural programming of like, you know, you have to work harder to make more money. You have to, the harder you make, the more worthy you are and more valuable you are. It was like unlearning a lot of that programming and understanding like, especially in America, we are programmed to be a society of burnout. We're a hustle burnout culture. So, and I understood, I mean, like I said, I had gained 30 pounds back in 2015. That was a part of it. I was just this go, 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 do, 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 constantly this masculine energy. If we just keep pushing things on top of stress and frustration and anger and sadness and grief and shame and all that, we're just creating more inflammation and stress in and on our body. So I'm like, okay, how can I reduce stress? That's why I'm like, okay, I'm going to prioritize maybe the three biggest things that I need to get done today. If it takes me five hours to do one and it takes up my whole day by five o'clock, I'm going to try and tap out. I just have to give myself the grace that this is enough and I don't have to do any more to make myself feel more worthy. Like I've given up that idea for the most part that I have to like really work hard and hustle. I don't succumb to the burnout culture. And granted though, because it has been just ingrained in my life for so long, I will find myself getting to those things. And um, I was working with a coach recently and she was asking me, you know, some more like inner child questions and like to tap into my emotions and whatnot. And my responses almost every single time we're like immediately going into problem solving instead of sitting with the emotion that was another thing that she brought to my awareness and she was like you immediately go into hustle mode damn this shit runs deep (laughs) I know I'm still there I'm like I definitely like you know I know that it's so important at the end of the day and you're like oh it took me so long to get those things done so I gotta keep going but yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a hamster wheel. We have to get off, right? Yeah, you got to get off. And I mean, granted, yeah, you may have like projects and you have to get the stuff done, you know, before end of business day or whatever. 
in those moments, like take breaks throughout the day, go move your body, go for even a 15 minute walk or do some yoga stretches, turn on some music, dance around your living room, whatever it is, break it up so that your body is like getting kind of like balanced. (laughs) So you're like in the masculine, let's go into the feminine, go back into the masculine, step into the feminine, that kind of thing. So it creates more balance in your body. Those are some good tips. People who maybe are finding themselves in that situation. What would be some other things? I guess it is like you say, deep rooted societal, cultural beliefs. How can we be kinder to ourselves and how can we not beat ourselves up and have to work? I mean, we all have to work hard, but like, how do you move past that? Do you reckon like, what are some other things we can do to help ourselves on that? I mean, creating like a self-care routine is so important. I mean, so many people are like time, time, time. I'm like, yeah, I have the same amount of time in my day too, as you do. A lot of people are mothers and they have children and they're like, you know, it's my kid waking me up and coming in, you know, like I don't have time for myself. And I'm like, my mom, got up early she had her me time you know it was either she woke up before my sister and I got up you know and that could have been at four o'clock in the morning I don't know my mom is super crazy disciplined but she made it happen she was very disciplined did her workouts you have to prioritize yourself or you are pouring from an empty cup all all the time and again that will lead to burnout and that burnout will lead to sickness you've got to look at the big picture and then if you're sick you're definitely not going to be able to show up for your kids yeah, definitely. Want to talk about people pleasing. Tell us about your time with being a people pleaser and how you've been able to work on that. People pleasing as far as like when it comes to dating and relationships, I mean, you want to feel loved and you want to feel accepted and, and all of that. So like I said, maybe like being intimate with someone a little bit too prematurely before you actually have grown some trust and security with that person, you know, going along with what they want to do. And when you really are like, oh, I don't want to do that on social media too. I mean, a lot of us, I'm, I'm guilty of this myself. I mean, again, yes, I'm a recovering people pleaser. I think that's just deeply rooted. I don't think it will ever completely go away for me, but you know, on social media, it's like, what do the people want? How do they want me to show up on social media? And it's like, damn, if you just like remove that and you just start showing up and posting the things you want to post about you, talk about the things you want to talk about, like you will attract the right people to your page, you know, like who cares what everybody else, like this is your account. There was like probably within the first year and a half after the show aired, I was very, I was cautious about like what I was saying, just because it's like, oh, you have this platform. You're supposed to know everything. How do you, how do you keep yourself feeling confident to show up authentically online and in your work? Obviously we're human. We all go through times where we might doubt ourselves, but how do you do that? Sometimes, I mean, if I have like some type of like imposter syndrome or I find myself comparing to other people, I will like. I'll mute their accounts. I won't like unfollow people, but I'll mute their accounts. I don't see their story or their post. I mean, I have to like actually type in their name to like see anything. Um, that has been really helpful, honestly, because um, I do get triggered. But also I do know that whenever we do feel that like jealousy or envy, it's a vision letting you know, kind of like, okay, well, here's where you are. That's where you can be. Like, it's like a gap. And all you got to do is take some inspired actions to get to something that's similar or like what that person's doing or how they're living or whatever. And also you don't even know their real life. Half these people aren't sharing. I'm vulnerable. I share a lot of stuff. Like people probably know what I, everything about me, but you know, some people are just posting their like fashion outfits or living these luxurious looking lifestyles. You don't know what they're struggling with mentally. We all experience the same emotions at some time in our life. We we do. Again, I feel like that's like where I, I stay motivated to keep showing up 
and being authentically me and sharing those vulnerable stories because I do know that it's helping someone else out there feel less alone. How do you not fall into the comparison trap too often? Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like I said, like muting their accounts. Coming off, I'm going and pouring into my cup again. Okay, I'm comparing myself to this person. I don't really know what their life's about. Let me, something's bothering me about this person. It's triggering me in some way. I may do some journaling around it. Like what exactly is triggering me? Because awareness is key to change. Um, But then otherwise I just go for my walk. What would be your tips for people that are struggling with people pleasing? Yeah, um, I would say probably two things because yeah, you're right. You're giving your power away to someone essentially. Um, and you're disrespecting yourself, which yeah, you're going to grow a lot of resentment in terms of anger and all of that. Two journal prompts more or less. One, how am I people pleasing? Where am I showing up? And like ask yourself these questions again, because sometimes we're doing it. We don't even know we're doing it. Really get clear of like where in my life am I people pleasing? How am I doing it? What is my response? Ask yourself those questions. And then secondly, okay, so a lot of us say like we have boundaries, but we really don't. Where in my professional life and, you know, around my business or my career, do I need to implement boundaries? You know, if it's, if my job is from nine to five, but I'm working until 10 o'clock at night, whether it's in the office or taking home work, that is a boundary. You are done at five. You ain't getting paid anymore after five o'clock. Turn off. The work will be there tomorrow. Write out where the boundaries are lacking. And then that alone will just help you bring awareness to when you're crossing over your boundary, where you need to like implement them, whatever the case may be. And it'll help you to start honoring them a lot better. Yeah, that's such Um, good advice. I mean, and again, it kind of goes back to like the time thing, you know, it's like, oh, well, I don't, you know, I'm constantly working. I'm always working. I don't ever have time for myself. And I'm like, no, you're choosing to not have time for yourself. What is some (laughs) advice you would share with your younger self? Knowing what you know now, what would you tell her? You've learned and done so much. Create the boundaries, like when you're 15. (laughs) Allow yourself to pursue what you want in life. Acknowledge what people say, acknowledge what you hear, all of that. But like, keep yourself set on a clear vision. Like, hey, I want this in life. And like, really take the steps to get there. Because I feel like everything else, if you don't have a clear vision on what you're wanting in life, you're just like ping pong ball, like bouncing from side to side and never really like getting up to like, where you want to go. And then we like at the end of our life, we're like, I never made this happen. I never made this happen. It's because we were taking all these side steps versus directly going towards the thing that we want. Everyone else's opinions and perspectives coming in on us and being like, oh, maybe you should do this. Maybe you should do this. Or I would do it this way. And you're like, okay, maybe I should do it that way. Like your vision just gets so blurred from everyone else. So try and just keep your blinders on and go straight towards it. Create that self-love, that routine for yourself early in life. Like if I had a self-care routine when I was 15, I would have saved myself a lot of heartache, um, invest in therapy or coaches. I think that that's something we, we all just need. I know that that's kind of like stigma. People are like, oh, we do therapy because there's something wrong with us. No, I think therapy is just helpful to help you be more successful and love yourself more in life. Totally. 100%. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. And what about self-doubt? Because we all have self-doubt. How have you learned to overcome it? With that, it's just, it's understanding that those are, thoughts that are going to be suppressed in our body or they are suppressed. Like our, our results are really a manifestation of our thoughts. So if we have self-doubt, if we're, you know, negative critical thinkers, anything like that, when we're looking out at our reality, that's why it's because of these negative low vibrational thoughts. They're creating our behaviors that are creating our results. So understanding that and how the subconscious mind works, it's helped me to understand, okay, the power of affirmation. So like really just like immersing and submerging myself in positive thoughts will weaken 
that doubt, the worry, the anxious thought. I mean, I listen, like I said, I do these affirmations like every morning. Um, I try to listen to as much positive things, look at positive things. I surround myself with positive things all the time because it keeps me in a higher vibration, keeping me away from those negative thoughts basically. Yeah. One thing I wanted to touch on as well, before we wrap up, especially when you're doing your own thing, like you are, and a lot of us are, essentially you have to back yourself or else we wouldn't be doing this. If we didn't back ourselves, there's no way we'd be doing what we are. People uh, don't really support you or they don't really understand. And that's okay. You've got to kind of block it out. You know, what are your thoughts on that? And also the, another part of that is when you are a creative or you're doing your own thing, a lot of the times I've sort of had to recently check myself on this and I heard someone talk about it in a podcast where, and I think not even creatives, everyone does it. We're like, oh, we're doing this big thing. Like you've done a big project or something. And then you maybe have a lull for a bit and you're still busy. You're still doing things, but you add something else to your pile. Like we all do it. And then you, and then you burn yourself out. You're like, oh, why did I you overload yourself? You're like, why do I do that? So can yeah. you relate with that? Is that something you've done at times? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, your first question about just kind of like how to stay focused. I may not have the support that I'm looking for. That definitely has been a thing. I mean, definitely like whether it's family or friends or whatever, I don't feel the support that I thought that I would receive from them in that situation. I, I mean, 2018, I literally like kind of did a 180 and I stopped hanging out with all of my friends for a while because I knew like things had to change in all ways, like in my life, because I had friends that were like single and I was going out and partying with. And then I had the friends that were like in relationships were married and having kids. I was, didn't have the boyfriend, you know, whatever, but I didn't want to go out partying anymore. So I completely like 180 my life, like I said, and started doing other things. I found myself in Facebook groups of women that were like also pursuing like entrepreneurship. And so I started connecting with them, putting myself in different environments and situations that were, you know, maybe in like health and wellness space here in Atlanta. So I would go and like the wellness events and I would just go along. I had to do a lot alone. I would take myself on dates alone. I'm still like an advocate of like solo dates. I only encourage those, but that was something where I like found the people that got me because I put myself in different situations around the people that were doing the things that I wanted to be doing. I also started to learn, you know, I would share a breakthrough moment that I had on a coaching call or like, you know, something that great, something happened within my, my business or, or life in general. And I would share it with like a family member and their response wasn't what I was expecting. And it would dim my light. I just can't continue to share these types of things if I'm not going to get the response I'm looking for, because I don't want my light to be dimmed. No. So that literally just happened about a month ago. Um, you know, I'm going to relaunch my podcast And then I start thinking, I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I have a YouTube channel, but it's just for my podcast. But I was like, okay, well, then I'm going to start making actual like video content for YouTube. And I'm going to start doing this. I'm going to start doing this. And and I was like, hold your horses, Kel, like just calm down one thing at a time and just focus on that because I'm very aware that like when we start spreading our energy too thin, that's when the burnout happens. Mm -hmm. So I was like, focus on like two or three things for the next like three months. And like, that is all that you were really putting most of your energy into. So that, that, that's a healthier way to like, not get yourself into burnout. Yeah, no, I think we all do. I've recently had a situation and it's it's kind of good that it happened in a way, even though it's been awful. I sort of took on another radio job, which was great, but I've been working way too much. And because I, my rate, my background is in radio and I was like, yeah, I can do that. And then with everything else, and I've got a podcast, like network, two podcasts, I run different things. It's been out the gate. I've been mentally and physically like not good. And so I've pulled pin on it and I'm gone. You need to stop doing that. 
that's not happening yeah. anymore. Like that is your last time doing that. I feel really good about it. It's like, yeah, so it kind of needs to happen sometimes, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, you know, asking yourself, okay, all this stuff sounds really good. And, and maybe there's, you know, an income that follows it too. So it's like, of course I'm going to do that because that's another income stream or whatever. But at the end of the day, kind of like look a little bit ahead, like in three months from now, will I still be able to keep up with all the things that I am about to embark on? And if the answer is, I don't know, or probably not, or yeah, I'm just going to be really tired. I'm just going to have to like deal with it. It's like, is it really worth that energy? Yeah. Like when I was deciding on maybe what those like two to three things were that I wanted to really focus on, it's like, okay, what is going to really gonna make me happy? Which one's going to make me money? Cause I got to pay my bills, which is another thing that's going to create maybe more happiness in my life. Like everything should be about happiness. Like it's creating peace and happiness in your life. It's just not worth your life's energy to get burnt out. Yeah, totally. And to wrap up, what is something you would like to share as a final note to those listening who, you know, want to live a really cool life and do some of the amazing things that you are and, and I guess, you know, just love themselves and, and live their truth. Again, my like favorite mantra is let go of what's not serving you to create more space for joy, but also every opportunity creates another opportunity. So if you're holding yourself back, then you're preventing yourself from another opportunity in life. Also invest in someone to help you. I got to where I am today faster because of the mentorship that I have invested in. I'm not saying like monetarily, like there's so many like free avenues and free resources out there, but invest your time. You do have time to do this. Like you are important and you should make yourself a priority because you are worthy of it. You're enough and you deserve all the love and joy and happiness and you deserve it. So please take care of yourself. Taking care of yourself is the biggest investment that you'll ever make. Everything will change when you start learning how to love yourself more. Oh, Kelly, thank you so much for your time. I feel like we could chat about so many things. I might have to get you on another time, but thank you so much for making time and for chatting with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. That's all we've got time for. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Club. We really appreciate it. And please subscribe if you haven't already and select automatic downloads. You can leave us a five-star rating. And if you enjoy listening, please take a few seconds and maybe a minute to write us a kind review. This is a really helpful way to support us and help other people find the Self Love Club. You know, just share the self-love message. Find us and follow at Self Love Club Podcast on Instagram. You can follow me at Belle Crawford and Belle underscore Crawford on TikTok. All the details are in the show notes. I'll catch you soon.